0: Father, we ask that as we spend time around your Word, I pray that you would cause your Word to dwell in us, to dwell in us richly, that we wouldn't only just hear the things that are spoken of today, but that we would make it our purpose and our determined desire to obey the Word of God. We want to be Bible people. We want to be Holy Spirit people. Bless the time around your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, please take your Bible and raise it for a moment. Did you bring your Bible to church? Okay, jolly good. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Would you please, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15 to 21. Please keep this passage of Scripture open for, for the time of the message, so that we can refer to it a few times. The, ti- the title of this message is, Redeeming the Time. Redeeming the Time. If you're making notes, jot down that title. He's talking this morning about Redeeming the Time. And if you look at Ephesians 5, verse 15, let's read it together. It says there, See then that you walk circumspectly. Interesting word, a bit of an old word. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And here's the title of the message, Redeeming the Time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or excess. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I like this portion of Scripture. It's one that I've often referred to and often read myself. And I'd like to share three points based on the passage of Scripture that we have just read. Point number one of three. Let us increase our desire to walk wisely and circumspectly before the Lord. That's number one. Let us increase our desire. You can increase your desire. You can grow certain things, certain passions in your heart. Let us increase our desire to walk wisely and circumspectly before the Lord. Now, what does it mean... To walk circumspectly. It is, admittedly, a little bit of an older word, but what it means, it means to walk carefully, to walk cautiously, to walk guardedly, thoughtfully. Walking circumspectly means that you walk with good sense, that you walk watching your step. Now, the Greek word for circumspectly is akrebois. Akrebois. Sounds a little bit like (laughs) akrebois. What does it mean? The exact meaning of that word is exactly, diligently, perfectly. That's what the Bible is saying when the Bible says walk circumspectly. It says walk exactly, walk diligently. Walk perfectly. That reminds me of a scripture in the Old Testament which says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If you imagine the steps of a good man being ordered by the Lord, it kind of creates that sense of of walking exactly, walking diligently, walking carefully, walking purposefully. This is what God wants us to do. He wants to walk in this kind of way. What is the opposite of walking circumspectly? It is careless and thoughtless living. It is maybe even reckless living. Maybe just to give you a bit of an example in terms of, let's say, sexual lifestyles. The difference between walking carefully and just walking carelessly. For instance, a person that walks carefully, that walks circumspectly, wants to make sure that they do right in terms of the way they express their sexuality. They know and they understand what the will of the Lord is. They know and understand that God wants them as a husband and a wife to be faithful to one another. And that there would be no other partners, no other sexual partners involved, but there is a commitment husband to wife. There is a walking exactly. There is a walking circumspectly because we don't just do anything, no, no, no. We're faithful to each other. We are faithful in our relationship. We're faithful in our sexuality. And that doesn't only mean physically, that also means emotionally. So that means when you're getting water at the water cooler at work and the fox receptionist is getting water at the same time, you keep your eyes open. Let me not say it. (laughs) Let me not say it. (laughs) Keep your eyes on the cross. And the opposite is a careless lifestyle where. The fact is, many millions of people on this planet live thoughtlessly. They live carelessly. They don't live intentionally with a purpose according to God's purpose. They will do whatever they want. They will say what they want to say. They'll blow their top at anything. They'll swear at anybody. They'll show signs at anybody. They'll begin to mess around with any kind of sexual partner. Hey, you know, it's a case of if you're available, I'm here kind of thing. That is not how God wants us to walk. That's the ways of the children of the world. It's not the way God has called us to walk. It says here, a little bit earlier, it says, For once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And so it's very important that we don't walk carelessly, but that we walk purposefully, that we walk circumspectly. And I would like to say something on this note. And I'm not trying to point out anybody here in particular, please. But I want to say this, that God's plan is that a man and a woman would come together in the covenant of marriage. I want it to be said boldly and clearly, if you are living together and you are not married, both in the sight of God and in the sight of the law, You are living in sin. Does anybody agree with me? That is the fact of the matter. It doesn't matter how many people in the contemporary culture choose to think that marriage is obsolete, marriage is old-fashioned, marriage is maybe not the best idea, it doesn't matter how many people think like that or act like that. The fact of the matter is God established covenant in the Bible. And if people are living together without being married, that is called fornication. It is called sins in the eyes of the Lord. But you might say, well John, we don't sleep together, we just bath together. That's still not okay, alright? That's still not okay. (laughs) Now Paul was addressing the culture of his day. And the culture of Paul's day was not a good culture. It was a culture where there was a lot of wickedness. There was a lot of drunkenness. There was a lot of orgies. There was a lot of things, and I was researching this passage of Scripture, where guys would get drunk out of their mind and run around half nuts, half naked, with their heads back like this. I didn't even understand it, but as I was reading, that was the kind of thing that was going on. And Paul had the guts to speak into the culture of our day. And I believe we need to, as Christians, have the guts to speak into the culture of our day. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter. The fact is that it seems as though the future president of this country is a man who does not have high moral standards. And you know what? That is a problem. He will still have to answer before God. And I believe that we need to, as the church, be speaking out. We have to be saying, well, this is not okay. Not endorsing people like that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's very, very important that we stand up for what is righteous. Paul hated the sinfulness of the secular culture around him. And he was challenging the Christians at Ephesus to leave those worldly things behind. Because some of them were not coming clean. And so I want to say to you that if you become born again, the idea is that you come out of darkness and you come into His marvelous light and you start to find it so attractive to be caught up in the truth. You start to find it so attractive to follow God, to walk in His ways, to be pleasing in His sight. And I believe that we can grow and develop in this area of a passion to walk right before the Lord of a passion to walk circumspectly, grow in your desire. I believe that if you're sitting here this morning and you've been serving God for maybe 20, 25 years, you should be more passionate and more determined than when you began to serve the Lord about walking in a way that pleases God. But this is what the Bible says, that we need to have a desire to walk wisely and circumspectly before the Lord. Number two, Be serious about how you spend your time. Number two. Be serious about how you spend your time. Look at verse 16. It says there, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Do you agree with this phrase which says the days are evil? I think it is very true. And if if it was said in Paul's time, How much more it needs to be said in these times that the days are evil. Because the Bible says the righteous will become more righteous. The wicked will become more wicked. Evil's pervasiveness has become more severe. These are evil days. I think of, in recent history, I think of things like even the Holocaust. That's evil, man. I think of things like the genocide that took place in Rwanda. I think of the war in Iraq. I think of the millions of aborted babies in recent history. I think of the violence that we experience in our own country and often have to contend with. I think of violence in schools and how in recent times there's been shootings in schools in certain places over the world. I think of the recent armed robberies in churches in this country, in this province. I think of the disregard, total disregard, for the name of Jesus Christ. That makes me realize these are indeed evil times. The days are evil. And Paul is saying this because he's communicating a sense of urgency. A sense of, hey, we've got to live on purpose. We've got to live intentionally, not just slapdash and luxidaisical kind of thing. We've got to live with a sense of mission. Jesus was a person who lived with a sense of mission. He had a purpose and he was busy accomplishing it. And he was serious about how he spent his time. But now, what does it mean, this phrase, redeeming the time? It means the following. It means buying up those moments which others throw away. You can write that down. Redeeming the time means buying up those moments... That others would throw away. In other words, it means that we're learning to make the best use of our time. It says in Psalm 90, verse 12 So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Sometimes when you're young, sometimes when you're 15 years old, you think that your life is like forever. I mean, these people that are 45, you're that old, you know? And pretty soon you, you get to a stage where you're thinking, well, this person's 70 and, and they're, not, they're not old, they're still young, you know? But our life is relatively short. And God has given us this precious commodity of time. There's only so much of it. And God says that we are stewards of that time. We have to be wise students. We have to be serious about how we spend our time. I've often been puzzled at young people leaving school having no direction in life. It's something that's often puzzled me. And then they say, well, they're just going to sort of hang around for a while and waitress for a year or two, or or they're going to just backpack through Europe and find themselves and I'm thinking there's no time to waste. For myself, I, the moment I left school, I was straight into studying and equipping myself and getting ready for what I knew God had called me to be. And then I got straight involved with the things of serving God on a full-time basis. Maybe I was just privileged and God just opened the doors for me. I don't know. But I know that I was not living carelessly. I was not messing around. I knew God had called me to do something and I had to get on with doing it. I think of a guy like Steve Irwin. He knew the following. He was called as a conservationist. God had put him on the planet as a conservationist, and he got busy doing his passion. And that's important, that each one of us, that we value our time, and that we're serious about how we spend our time. Let me read something to you. This is about uh, the way many people live their lives. Television. 99% of households in the U.S. have a TV. In fact, the average American home has over two TV sets per household. In homes, the television is on for an average of six hours per day, or 42 hours a week. Sixty-six percent of Americans watch TV while eating. They spend an average of two months each year watching TV. Surfing the Internet... People with computers and online connections spend anywhere between 14 and 30 hours a week on the Internet. You're at work and bored, Surf the Internet. You're at home and bored, Surf the Internet. You're at home with your wife and kids. Surf the Internet and watch TV at the same time. An increasing trend these days is watching TV while working on your computer or on your laptop. Sleeping and eating. We average about eight hours, of night sli- uh, eight hours of sleep a night. This comes to about 56 hours a week, which is 120 days a year. We spend one to two hours a day eating, depending on how long you linger at the table. So, each day we spend about four hours watching TV, two to four hours on the internet, eight hours sleeping, and about eight hours working. So that makes 22 to 24 hours out of a 24-hour day. Now, you have to sleep, you have to eat, you have to work. Which of these activities do you not have to do each day? Food for thought. Now, question. If you were given a bank balance with 1,440 rand in tomorrow, and you had to spend it, you could not carry over any, any extra minutes. <laughs> you couldn't carry over any extra money to the next day. What would you do? Can you answer me? You, you're welcome. I would spend it. Would anybody spend that money? All right. If they say you've got 1440 bucks to blow tomorrow, I would spend it. Now, the interesting thing is that we have such a bank account. You have 1,440 minutes per day. You can check the maths. It does work out. <laughs> you have that amount of time per day. When you get into the next day, the minutes, unfortunately, don't carry over. It would be nice if they did. But that is the time that God gives you. 1,440 minutes per day. And God's saying, I want you to be a steward of your time. I want you to spend it wisely. God has given it to you. And the question is, are you going to redeem it fully? Listen to this statement. If you are not strategic about your time, it will come under the influence of dominant people or dominant situations in your life. But we don't want to have it just controlled by other people. I believe that God wants us to have dominion. God wants us to have dominion over our time. I believe that this is where time management skills come into it. And there's many time management skills that we can read and learn about even in secular books and so on. But also when it speaks about redeeming the time, it's also referring to people who were not serving the Lord before. And there's been time wasted on the world. And maybe you only came to know the Lord when you were 38 years old. And I'm saying, God says to you today, make the most of every moment you had wasted days before. Begin to claim that promise that the Lord will restore the years that the locusts have eaten from you. And thank you, God, I'm going to be effective in my time. You're going to use me in a great way. I'm not going to live haphazardly. I'm going to live with a focused kind of living. I'm going to live circumspectly. I'm going to walk circumspectly. I'm going to redeem the time. So, number one was, let's increase our desire to walk wisely and circumspectly before the Lord. Number two, be serious about how you spend your time. Now, number three, our time, this is the last point, our time is exceptionally well spent when we give ourselves to the following. A, being filled with the Holy Spirit. B, speaking life over one another. C. Singing in your heart to the Lord. And D. Giving thanks all the time. Let's read that scripture. It says in verse 18, Ephesians 5, verse 18, it says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is excess. The culture in Paul's day was that the guys would get excessively drunk and make idiots of themselves. And he was saying, that's the, that's the worldly way. He was saying, there's better ways to spend your time, guys. He says, you can redeem your time. So instead of getting drunk and doing things that you regret, and waking up in the morning and seeing two wives instead of one, wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you for this new day. Wake up in the morning and say, ah, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Wake up in the morning and say give thanks always in all things. Wake up in the morning saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And wake up in the morning and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul is also saying here are some more ways in which you can spend your time better. You can spend your time by speaking to one another in Psalms And hymns and spiritual songs. That is actually referring to the psalms in the Old Testament. How do you speak to somebody in a psalm? Well, maybe you could say something like, Hey, delight yourself in the Lord, my brother. He will give you the desires of your heart. You can say something like this to someone. Well, don't be afraid. The Lord is your light. He is your salvation. Of whom will you fear? Of whom shall you be afraid? These are ways in which you can speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I researched this a little bit. Spiritual songs would actually seem to mean singing in the spirits. It would mean singing in tongues. I love to sing in tongues. How many of you also, you just love it when we begin to sing in tongues. I find it so beautiful. I find it so heavenly. It's a precious, precious thing. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Have you ever noticed somebody that kind of sings when they're doing something? Maybe your wife, when she's busy uh, preparing some food in the kitchen, she sings a little song, and there's a little song. That's so beautiful. I can remember one day as a kid that I was just walking around the house singing, you know? Just singing. And my mom said, so nice to hear you singing. Singing and making melody. Sometimes people whistle. If it's in the office, maybe that's not the wisest thing, okay? You could irritate somebody around about you. But the fact is, keeping a melody in your heart to the Lord. These are times when there's so much pressure, so much financial hardship. But despite all of that, I believe God says that we can sing and we can make a melody in our hearts to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this time when the economy is tough, you can either focus on things that you don't have and the challenges, or you can still choose to count your blessings. To say thank you Lord for this, thank you Lord for that, thank you Lord that I do have a car to travel to work in, thank you Lord that my health is well, thank you Lord that you've blessed my family. Thank you, Lord, that I can be a part of a church where we worship in such a special way. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We can be thankful. And I tell you what, it just begins to lift you. You begin to live on a higher plane. Do you realize it says there, be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you realize that is an instruction to be obeyed, not an option? For a believer. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is an instruction to be obeyed. And Paul's saying, rather than mess around with your time, spend time on allowing the Spirit of God to be a reality in your life. Instead of wasting our time on fruitless endeavors, we should rather spend our time, pour out our lives living for God. I'm thinking of the scripture which says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Maybe we could liken the courts to experiencing the presence of God in our private times. Maybe we could liken the courts of the Lord to coming together to worship like this. I want to tell you, being together like this this morning, experiencing the presence of God is much better than a thousand hours of shopping. All right? Or well, some of the ladies might disagree. The men would agree. Verse 19 of the Scripture says, Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That reminds me of the scripture in Psalm 34, which says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In conclusion, I'd like to say that we have the responsibility of administering our own time. Let's be passionate about living wisely, and let's be passionate about spending our time on what honors the Lord, and on redeeming the time for the days of evil. Can you stand as we pray, please? Please don't leave at this point. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our desire is to please You. We want to be a pleasing aroma and a living sacrifice unto You. Lord, we do say, forgive us for the times that we've lived carelessly, for the times that we've lived unwisely. And Lord, we stand before you today saying we want every moment of our lives to count for Jesus Christ, for the kingdom of God, and for the glory of God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that in this week ahead, you would tap us on the shoulder, so to speak. And you would show us moments where we may tend to waste our time. And you would help us to focus on things that are of eternal significance and eternal gain. We pray this in Jesus' name. Now I speak the blessing of the Lord over you. I say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up the light of His smile upon you and give you peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of thanks for His goodness. Hallelujah.